everybody. It's Allie, and welcome to our Y&R chat for Sunday, October 14th, 2018. Oh, what a relief, right? What a huge, huge relief that order has been restored to our universe. <laughs> I don't think any of us are really all that surprised that Ashley fudged Jack's paternity test results. We savvy YNR chatters hammered out that theory and figured that out weeks ago, but this is the very best possible case scenario as an ending to this story, I can't help but think it would have been a really great bombshell shocker if it had happened a couple of months ago, if so much time hadn't gone by and we had tons and tons of ability and opportunity to speculate about it. So again, not that surprising. So I don't want to spend too much time talking about it as far as a twist. I'd rather talk talk about whether or not Ashley was justified in doing what she did to Jack. That's our poll question of the week. How are you feeling about the fact that Ashley did this to him? Are you team Ashley saying, go Ashley, you do it? Or are you saying, no, Ashley, this is awful that you did this. Now, obviously, I don't think that doing something like this is morally right, but in terms of the show and in terms of the drama, I kind of don't blame her for wanting to get back at him and the fashion in which she did was particularly fitting. I don't know if I'm the only one viewing it this way, so I'll be excited to see the poll results this week at yrchat.com. I honestly feel and have always felt that Ashley is as much John Abbott's daughter as Jack is and always was John Abbott's son. Yet, Jack put that blood Abbott clause in place, saying that it was all about Phyllis and wanting to keep his wife or ex-wife out of the company. But Jack knew that that blood Abbott clause would preclude Ashley from claiming her birthright right alongside him. He used that blood Abbott clause to secure his domination of the company and in the process, made Ashley feel like less than an Abbott. And that's exactly what she just did to him. Ashley's serving up Jack a dish of cold, cold revenge, to me, almost feels like it serves him Right. I know I'm going to be in the minority this week. I just have a feeling. <laughs> but honestly, when it comes to Jack and Ashley in this whole feud, I am just totally ready to call it even Steven and move on with our lives. If you ask me, the real victim in all of this is the audience. <laughs> this 
a whole paternity roller coaster that we've been on started in March. I went back and looked, March of 2018. It's now October. That's seven months of dragging on. Seven months of fake-outs that we've had to endure. We had four different father fake-outs in seven months, and it's just been too much. It's been too long and too much. In addition to the fact that a lot of us longtime fans were very upset and n- never got used to the idea that YNR would dare disrupt the fabric of the Abbott family, the fabric of the show, by making John not the father to two of his children. It's been a mess. Everything about that blood abbot clause has been a mess. And Ashley didn't waste any time calling the board vote and pressuring Tracy to remove the blood abbot clause ASAP. I'm glad it's gone. I hope we never have to hear another word about it. And so Ashley takes her place in the chair almost immediately. They call the board vote, elect her as the new CEO, and she's sitting in the chair. The real kicker, though, to all of this, the cherry on top of the cold dish of revenge that has been served to Jack is the fact that Jack had this attitude that was so positive toward Ashley through all of it. Now, he made a quick bid for that CEO position uh, and was outvoted for it. By the way, he completely jumped off the dark horse. He was ready to jump right off of the dark horse um, at at the snap of a finger. I wonder if Nick will ever find out about that and how he will feel if so. But up until Friday... Jack was completely supportive of Ashley. He, even in his own defeat, was supportive of Ashley. He congratulated her. He assured her that John Abbott would be pleased to see her in that chair. And Ashley was so very clearly pleased with herself. <laughs> Ashley sees this as the culmination of a lifetime of work. This is not just a year of work waiting and planning to get Billy and Jack out of the way so that she could take this position. This is her lifetime achievement. So what if she had to do a few things that John Abbott wouldn't be proud of in order to make it happen? So as soon as Ashley takes her power position. Two of her former allies started coming out of the woodwork wanting to share in the spoils of her victory. Number one was Kyle. Kyle comes to Ashley bearing financial, fabulous financial reports and 
Lola's delicious tamales. That basket of like homemade tamales I wanted to stick my face in and devour. That sounded amazing. I'm so hungry watching this show lately with Lola. Uh, they're speaking to me on that. But uh, Kyle is trying to butter up Ashley, hoping to become named her COO, her second in command. In Kyle's mind, he got her into this position by setting Billy up. But in Ashley's mind, the fact that Kyle did that just demonstrates the fact that she can't trust him. Now, the number two ally that comes crawling out of the woodwork is this Andrew from Type A Consulting. He straight up asks Ashley for a payout in exchange for his continued secrecy about their little project, which we didn't know what it was until Friday, even though we kind of knew as why in our chatters. And so he's blackmailing her. And when Ashley doesn't give in to the pressure, Andrew finds an opportunity to introduce himself to Kyle. Andrew lets Kyle know that he's holding a little Abbott family secret that could affect Jabot. Well, Kyle's now fed up with Ashley. He wants to bust her. He wants to get her back for using him to get to the top and then casting him aside. So he does a little bit more research on his own, finds out that Type A Consulting is just a shell company that Ashley has been using company funds to make hefty payments to, which is the same thing that Billy did, by the way. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge that? I mean, Ashley funded this little revenge plan against Jack, funded her little career climbing up the corporate ladder from the company coffers. So right there, she's no better than Billy. What she's done is no better than what Billy did. But again, the kicker here is that Jack wants to support Ashley. He is wanting to repair the family and he doesn't want to pressure her. Kyle tells Jack about his suspicions that Ashley's being blackmailed and Jack encourages Kyle to back off, give Ashley space to do her job, yet... Jack also can't deny that it looks very suspicious, and he's got Kyle right there in his ear, pushing him along, saying, Ashley's up to something, she's up to something, she's up to something. So Jack calls Tracy, alerts the family that Ashley could be in trouble, and then calls yet another, yes, that's right, another emergency board vote to confront Ashley about type A consulting. Why are you paying money to this mysterious company? And of course, Ashley denies it all. She says that Andrew is just doing some innovative R&D research for her. It's very, very top secret. And I mean... She says, 
the reason, actually, why this R&D is so top secret is because the project that they are working on together has cancer-curing properties. Cancer-curing! Come on! Who can argue against cancer research? Ashley's good. She's good! That is an excuse that no one would dare question and, in fact, was excited about. In one moment, she turned that whole situation around into her favor. Something that could have busted her was turned around in her favor. And she almost got away with it, too. But the key to all of this unraveling is... It seems that... Phyllis just so happens to know Andrew from back in the old days in New York when she worked at that DNA lab. Oh, MG. How, what a wonderful blast from the past that was. I was delighted when that came back up. Do you remember this? Back when, I mean, DNA tests weren't even quite so commonplace on soaps as they are today. Phyllis was working at one, switching up the results to make it look like Danny was Daniel's father. I loved that callback. It was fantastic. So when Ashley had everyone convinced, Phyllis arrives late to the board meeting recognizes Andrew and blurts out what her connection to him was and mentioned that he told her just recently that he's employed at the the Genoa City Memorial DNA lab. So, hmm, why would this guy have a full-time job working at the hospital, a perfectly respectable, like, head of the DNA lab at the hospital. <laughs> and why would he be moonlighting on some secret project for Ashley? Doesn't make sense. She's busted. Ashley's busted. Right then and there, Jack pressures her to just come forward with the truth, and she doesn't even bother to deny it after that. It's like she just went, all right, fine, I gave it my best shot. <laughs> I'm not going to stand here and let myself look more foolish. I'll just tell you what I'm up to. I paid Andrew to fix your paternity test results, Jack. No need to go further looking for who your father is. I know who he is. I've known who he is all along. It's John Abbott. You've always been John Abbott's son. John Abbott Jr., in fact. Oh, man. Jack is going to hit the freaking roof on Monday. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Really looking forward to that that stunned and shocked, serious look that he's going to have on his face. That wide-eyed look that Jack is going to have on his face. He's going to be so livid. And what is Ashley going to do? What's she going to do now? She's in the position. It would take another board vote to remove her, and that might be what ends up happening. Uh, but, but, but he just can never tell. Uh, Ashley was buttering up Lauren on Friday before any of this truth was revealed, offering Lauren funding for Fenmore's, which Lauren wants. Um, and Ashley was doing so, hoping to gain an ally that she's 
gonna need in the coming days. Do you think that Lauren would choose to side with Ashley? I mean, what's the alternative? Lauren knows what a universe is where Jack runs Jabot or where Billy runs Jabot. Maybe Lauren would find it preferable to work with Ashley. I mean, I don't know. And then there's what Tracy. What is Tracy gonna do? I mean, we know how Jack would vote. We know how Kyle would vote. We probably know how Phyllis would vote. How, what, what about Tracy? Ashley had also given Tracy this song and dance about how hard she's worked, how qualified she is to be in this CEO position. Why is it that no one in the family, especially Jack, can just give her this? Let me have this. It's my turn. So she was working the, the guilt angle with Tracy. But I, I don't, I don't know if she's, I don't know if it's going to work. Tracy's not just going to let Ashley slide on this. She's not just going to let Ashley have a free pass on this when nobody did that for Billy. The morning after Billy and Summer's night of revenge sex. Billy's gone. He's up and out. He is nowhere to be found. Summer is in the bed alone, looking around, wondering where he is, texting him, but he's unreachable and presumably gone off to rehab. I'm so looking forward to him getting back into town. And he's another board vote, right? I, I don't know how Ashley's going to keep that position. But I am looking forward to Billy coming back into town. I'm looking forward to finding out what his interaction with Summer is going to be. It's shocking to me that Summer actually seems to think that what happened with Billy was anything other than a one-night stand. She seems, she, she seems to think that he was going to come right back to her the following night, that this is a thing now. It's an ongoing thing now. And I cringed a little bit at Summer having a meal with her grandma, Nikki, talking all about what a good guy Billy really is if he can get help with his gambling addiction. Nikki even awkwardly suggests that Summer might have someone in mind to fix Billy up with now that his relationship with Phyllis is over. You know, if Summer is going to continue to focus on Billy, she's going to have her heart broken. That's where this road leads. And that's her prerogative if she wants to give it a shot. But she better not expect Kyle to come running back to her to help pick up the pieces when it all blows apart. Summer saw Kyle kissing Lola this week and Summer is going to soon enough realize that what's going on there between them is a love story. It's love that's developing there, not just another fling, and that Lola might be better for Kyle in every conceivable way than Summer was. 
the whole rivalry that's building up between um, Summer and Lola is my very favorite and most anticipated storyline that is developing on the show right now. And it's not even just about Kyle. Lola mentioned in the week that she and Summer would most likely be on a collision course anyway, with or without Kyle, because Arturo is dating a Newman. <laughs> and if Abby and Arturo were to get married, as they were talking about last week, or they were talking about marriage last week, then Lola would end up being Summer's aunt. <laughs> is that maybe a little bit of foreshadowing? Is Abby going to turn Arturo's attitude on marriage around and Summer's going to end up with an Aunt Lola? I also kind of loved how Tessa stoked that whole fire <laughs> of the rivalry between Summer and Lola. Tessa made sure to tell Lola specifically about what a rich, spoiled brat that Summer Newman is and clued Lola into the fact that her relationship with Kyle is going to drive Summer crazy jealous. <laughs> so Lola already knows that she has a little bit of power here. And sure enough, Summer comes into the coffee house, gets up in Lola's face after she's seen her kissing Kyle, and is insulting to her, and is provoking an argument with her the very first chance she gets. I really liked how Lola held herself, though, in those scenes against Summer. I think <laughs> Lola stayed mostly cool. I mean, sure, as soon as Summer walked away, she wanted to bash her over the head with a, a cough of, carafe of coffee. But for the most part, she just kind of stayed calm and talked to Summer, even though Summer was acting like Lola was somehow beneath her because she works for a living. I love that dynamic. I love that that dynamic is being brought to the show. That is such a big thumbs up for Mal Young. I think the Rosales family is one of the most exciting things going on on the show right now. Uh, and I liked, speaking of that, the way that Lola held herself when dealing with her two brothers. Um, Abby saw Kyle and Lola having a very public, <laughs> blindfolded, blind taste testing, plus smoochy smooch face fest. <laughs> and Abby's red flags immediately went up. Not for Kyle, her cousin, but for Lola. <laughs> Abby tries to warn Kyle against getting involved with Lola and breaking her heart. I mean, Abby knows, and Kyle admits, that he's dated a lot of superficial women, Summer Newman being chief among them, while Lola, on the other hand, is not superficial. Lola has substance, she has drive. She is a straight shooter. She is a hard worker. And all of these qualities that Kyle's normally not getting in the type of woman that he's attracted to. And Kyle had this great reaction to Abby's skepticism about the relationship, saying, you know, all of those qualities about Lola that are different from the women I'm used to dating are the exact qualities that make me like and respect her and that uh, make me drawn to her. 
I think that Abby eased up on Kyle because she realized that the dynamic Kyle was describing with his relationship with Lola is very similar to the dynamic she has with Arturo. No one would necessarily expect the naked heiress who is, I mean, Abby riding into town on the horse naked several years ago is the equivalent of Summer coming back into town with all of this fire and vinegar. I mean, there it's a, it's a similar dynamic. And Abby is realizing that she has a similar relationship with Arturo, where he's become a little bit of a grounding force for her. So she supports Kyle's relationship with Lola and is even a little bit excited about it. She goes to Arturo and suggests that maybe they go on a little double date. But Arturo's reaction is not pleased immediately. He didn't know that Lola was dating Kyle and he immediately does not like Kyle. He's heard of him. He doesn't appreciate the type of vibe that this guy is putting out. And so Arturo starts to take on that protective role that Ray was so very much criticized for. And Arturo even brings Ray into the loop. Now, Ray's a cop. <laughs> Ray has access to Kyle's arrest records, and as a cop, that's the first thing he thinks to check into with this guy who's dating his little sister. So right there in front of Lola, Ray pulls up that awful arrest for grave digging that Kyle had. And I mean, I felt bad for Lola because she didn't know anything about this. And who wants to learn something like that about the new person that they're dating? I mean, that's grim. That's dark. That's depraved. And so I felt really bad for her. Um... Arturo and Ray <laughs> told her uh, that maybe she should just invite Kyle over to dinner and the subtext of that being that they can grill him and find out more about this whole thing. But I'm wondering if Lola's going to do that next week. That's my question on the table. Is Lola going to actually talk to Kyle about this arrest and give him a chance to explain it? Or what if she doesn't? confront him. I'm a little worried that instead of actually talking to him about it, what if she starts to seal herself up and put the brakes on their relationship? I think that would leave Kyle devastated, heartbroken, and ugh, potentially open to receiving some comfort from Summer. really looking forward to seeing Nick and Ray's relationship take a turn next week because they started out all buddy-buddy. I mean, like best buds right off the bat. But now that Nick and Sharon are destroyed and Ray is snuggling up to Sharon, we saw in the previews for next week that Nick is telling Ray, yeah, I got your number. I see how you operate. You're trying to make Sharon think that you're the last nice guy on earth just so you can get close to her. And in part, that's true, isn't it? Ray does have an ulterior motive when it comes to Sharon. It's 
just not yet what Nick thinks that it is, but it might soon be. Ray <laughs> invites Sharon to come over to his place for some dinner. And as soon as Ray mentions it, Sharon assumes that Ray's inviting her out on a date <laughs> two days after her wedding got called off. And Ray was like, uh, oh, sorry, no, wasn't trying to hit on you. I just wanted to see if you wanted to come over, hang out with me and my sister. You'd actually be doing me a favor, being a buffer there. Our relationship's still a little rocky. Um, and, and, and she, she does. I think that Ray is still, uh, I think he's trying to get Sharon to get comfortable with him, hoping that Sharon will open up about what she knows of JT's disappearance. So Sharon comes over, um, and it, it did seem very um, benign, but there started to definitely develop some subtext there. Hey, I have to pause a second because I have to reflect on the fact that we got a first look at Ray's apartment, the Crimson Lights apartment upstairs above the coffee house, which looks more fresh and more modern than Crimson Lights. <laughs> Sharon bothered to remodel this upstairs apartment, but never touched Crimson Lights. That's okay. That's okay, though. That's okay. I don't like it when YNR messes too much with our sets. <laughs> I think I it would be it would be too much. I don't know if I could handle a Crimson Lights makeover. So having this apartment really works. I like the idea that we're just walking upstairs from the coffee house, like through a back stairwell to get up to this fresh new apartment. And it looked gorgeous. I loved it. Um, and I also laughed a little bit at Lola scurrying around preparing for this family meal for Ray and his guests. And she's straightening up Ray's place, picking up some old Chinese food containers. Whereas over at Arturo's place, she just leaves her bras <laughs> all over the place. I mean, she has bras stuffed in the couch cushions at Arturo's and she's being a Susie homemaker at Ray's. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. I think the next bra that we might find in a couch might be Sharon's at Ray's. It was very, very cozy. <laughs> Sharon looked like she belonged there with the Rosales family. She was enjoying Lola's cooking. They were having papaya ice cream, which again sounds delicious. I'm hungry. And also having uh, some messy whipped cream fighting time with Lola and Ray. It was so cute, but I have to confess, maybe it's because all I ever do is clean up messes, but the idea of actually having to go in and clean up that whipped cream mess gave me a mini panic attack. Everybody was having a great time until stodgy old Nick shows up at the door. Okay, number one. I think it was very inappropriate for Tessa to tell Nick that that's where Sharon was. And number two, I think it's insane that Nick showed up at Ray's door, hunting Sharon down when she's trying to relax and recover from what you did to her is not going to endear her to you. 
I did laugh, though, at the fact that when Nick showed up at the door, Sharon is standing there all covered in whipped cream and giggles. <laughs> having a blast and she pretty much told Nick to just get lost he got that message loud and clear I would say um so very intriguing development after Sharon left there's a quiet moment between Lola and Ray and Lola issues a warning to Ray that hey you know Sharon may be single but you're not. And then also reminded him, don't be a hypocrite. Ooh, a hypocrite. So there you go. I mean, I think it's it's pretty well sealed that Ray's wife must have cheated on him and Lola's reminding him not to be cheating on her in return. Um, I still suspect, I think we all kind of do, that it was Arturo, that that was part of the beef that went down between them. Maybe Arturo was sleeping with Ray's wife. So I think we've got one mystery solved there. Or two, actually, I guess if you think about it, we also found out that the um, uh, Rosales family issue was that the father abandoned the entire family before Lola was even born, and that forced Ray, the eldest son, into this caretaker position. So I was hoping there would be a little bit more dirt there with Ma and Pa Rosales. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to settle for what we've got and for the drama with Ray's wife. I have a feeling that Ray's wife and this new Jabot chemist that Soaps in Depth says has been hired uh, and cast for October will be one in the same. You know I hate to be a harsh critic of the show. I love YNR and I always want to support it, be supportive of it, but I also have to be honest. I am so completely exhausted by this mysterious blackmailer storyline already. And it's only been one week. <laughs> it's just too much. Victoria receives a letter that reads, I know what you did and I'm going to make you pay. And then Nikki receives a letter. And then Phyllis receives a letter. And then Sharon receives a letter. And she, by the way, gets to have her second dramatic paper fall to the floor moment within one week. Last week, she was dramatically letting her vows float to the floor. And then this week, she gets the letter, opens it up in like slow motion. The letter falls to the floor. Uh, well, um, throughout the week, two other letters pop up and they appear to be asking for money, although it's really veiled, saying if you don't want anyone to find out, it will cost you. The first digit is two and the third digit is zero. Naturally, all of the women are freaking out as they have been freaking out for weeks and weeks now. They think that somebody knows their secret about JT. Who could it be? What could they want? 
all week it's been nothing but <laughs> the Margarita crew meeting together, meeting separately, speculating about who could be behind it all, swirling around as many possibilities as Jack's paternity, and making no progress. <laughs> Is it Victor? Is it Ray? Everyone thinks it's Ray, and that's what makes me think it's not Ray. Last week I asked you guys, do you think that this whole truth about JT's death should be unearthed, or should it stay buried? I find it very interesting that this was a 60-40 split, with the majority of you saying, let's just keep this a secret. <laughs> Some things are better left buried. And that's how I voted, and that's how I feel, and I can't help but think that it's really more about people thinking, let's just kind of be done with this. <laughs> that's my, my fantasy explanation for that vote. You know, if, it, if the truth about JT and his death never comes out, fine. Fine with me, that would kind of almost be my preference, but if the truth about JT's death does come out, fine, but is it gonna take another six months for it to happen? I feel really bad for having to say this, but it started to occur to me, and I can see from the YNR chat comments that it has also occurred to some of you that there is another likely suspect behind these letters. At the end of the week, it started to look like the mystery blackmailer has a motive and that that motive is money and who in this town needs money? Tessa needs money. Tessa's always at the coffee house watching and listening and knowing where everyone is and what everyone is up to. And worse, she's being so supportive right now. Tessa was being like the cool, friendly chick with Lola. It was amazing. And Tessa was being really kind towards Sharon with everything she's going through. And Tessa had the, a, a, a makeup moment with Noah. And worst of all, Tessa's Mariah's dream girlfriend. She's Mariah's perfect partner. She's Mariah's defender, always right there to fight for her. Mariah is totally taking over the GC Buzz show. She's preparing to go out of town on assignment. And before she leaves, she sits down to have a nice quiet dinner with Tessa. And Tessa makes sure to remark about, gee, she wishes she had some money to spring for something a little more substantial for their dinner. Hmm. I loved the moment in that scene, though, where <laughs> Mariah and Tessa are enjoying their time. They're even right in the middle of the kiss when Phyllis stomps in and starts hurling all of these accusations at Mariah because Kyle has told Phyllis 
that Summer was the one who blabbed about her affair with Nick and that Mariah overheard it. And Phyllis is up in Mariah's face acting like Mariah took some sort of twisted pleasure in telling her mother that on her wedding day. And I loved how Mariah just looked at her and said, grow up. Just grow up, Phyllis. Stop blaming other people because you got caught. That was so good. It was nice to see someone putting Phyllis in her place. And Mariah, of all people, put it down sharply. Even Phyllis couldn't argue with that. She pretty much just walked away with her tail in between her legs after it. Um, uh, but again, Tessa is so supportive through this whole thing. And I, I trust me, I don't want to think the worst of Tessa. And I think if Tessa is behind it, it's she's fully capable of loving Mariah and doing this bad thing at the same time. Um, I just would not like to see Mariah's trust get broken in any way. I don't think this relationship can survive too much of that. I just, um, I hate to say it, but I think that maybe there's a chance that Tessa's trying to skim a little bit of money out of these rich women, probably knowing that they're keeping it a secret, betting on the fact that they're keeping some secret that they don't want to get out, but maybe Tessa doesn't know exactly what it is. Naturally, Lily and Kane are struggling to connect while she's in prison and he is on the outside dealing with the day-to-day of what was their shared life going on without her. And it's clear that Lily is kind of traumatized by this experience, naturally, She is putting on a very brave face for the kids, and we've seen her doing that ever since she went to prison, but she has been deeply affected by this complete upheaval of her life. And I don't even think that upheaval is strong enough of a word for what's happened to her. Nothing is the same, including her. And she tells Kane this week that she is a different person for having gone through all of this. She is going through depression, and yet she is still trying to reach out to find some way to turn it into something positive. She has all of this empathy toward another inmate who has deeper problems, and many of the women that she's encountering now are having deeper problems than she does or ever will. Lily tells Kane that there's a, a one particular woman who had her children placed into two separate foster families when she went to prison. So not only is she removed from the family, but the children are torn apart. And Lily wants very badly to find a way to help this person. In a way, I think it's good because it gives Lily something positive to focus on, helping others. Sometimes it's easier to fight for someone else than it is to fight for yourself. But Cain really can't empathize. He only gets these little snapshots of a new world that Lily has been thrust into. Um, and, and, and what? They see each other maybe for an hour, once or twice a week. So it's hard, I think, for Cain to really wrap his mind around what she's going through. And that makes it difficult for them to connect. 
I love Lillian Kane. I'm such a Lillian Kane fan, and I do wonder how long can their relationship go on like this. Um, I mean, I want to see them weather this storm, but at the same time, I wonder from a practical standpoint, with Crystal Khalil being on recurring status, how long before Lily and Kane decide that they can't make it work? Have you ever considered a career in faith healing? <laughs> oh, Billy was certainly singing Phyllis's praises before the secret got blown up. Uh, that was, it was a quote from Billy last week. Congratulations, Anna, Sandra, Sherry, Henry, Tina Cole, and Ellen. I wish that Phyllis could have some faith healing uh, abilities, especially when it comes to little faith. And instead, Phyllis kind of screwed up Faith's little world. <laughs> All right, let's do a new quote this week. I, I liked this moment. We'll see if you recognize it. This isn't about peptides, is it? <laughs> YRChat.com is our website. If you think you know who said, this isn't about peptides, is it? <laughs> Go there, leave your guess, and if you get it right, then I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR Chat. Digging into comments here, Laura mentions that Crystal Khalil being on recurring status means that Kane's storyline veers away from Lily. He and the twins have to not be bound by that actress's real-life work request. And that is very true. I mean, as much as I wouldn't want to see Lily and Kane's relationship falling apart over this, it almost does feel inevitable, doesn't it? Leanne asks, I may have missed it, but who is running the modeling division of Hamilton Winters while Lily is away? I must have missed that too. I know that Lily did try to move around some of her responsibilities prior to checking in to prison, but I don't know that there is anyone full-time running it. Who would we want to see running it? Maybe we could fill that position with someone else in Genoa City. That could be fun. Who should we get into that office? That'd be good. Uh, Daisy wants to sound off about Jack and Ashley, as many people did. I've already got a lot of comments about Jack and Ashley this week. I think Daisy was the only comment that I saw so far that sort of shared my view of it. Um, Daisy says, Jack should have realized how hurt and angry Ashley was. She's responsible for her actions, Jack, though, is the one who created the problem to begin with. Did Jack actually believe that what he did to his sister just disappeared? I'd love to see Ashley remain the CEO, but I think she'll step down when she realizes that she doesn't like who she's become. And with Eileen Davidson leaving, they may just have Ashley step down and move away. I hope, though, that they bring in a new actress and continue the story because at some point I wanted Ashley and Neil to marry. Ideally, I would love to see Ashley step down, marry Neil, and start working at Hamilton Winters. A new beginning, maybe a different storyline for a new actress. 
Well, Daisy, there's a good idea as to who could have taken over Lily's presence, at least, or part, you know, part of the modeling agency at Hamilton Winters. I don't think that they're going to recast her, though. I did see a little snippet of an interview in a Soaps in Depth where Mal Young was talking about this exit for Eileen Davidson and saying that they had plans to continue to try to work Ashley in as the actress was available. So I don't think they're going to, um, by any means, recast it. I think they want to still... Um, try to remain with a relationship with Eileen but uh, but yeah I think that's interesting that you mentioned also that maybe Ashley will end up stepping down I mean here I am thinking about how she's gonna get booted out of the company but it is certainly possible that she will have an attack of conscience and as you say potentially move away well, here are a lot of comments not loving what Ashley did this week. Ellen says there is no excuse for what Ashley did to Jack. None. He was very close to taking pills again, drinking a lot. Someone could have been physically hurt. The emotional trauma was horrible. Even though I thought it was overblown because John was his father in every way that mattered, it really wounded Jack deeply. That's just ruthless. Go away, Ashley. <laughs> true. Very, very true, Ellen. Um, Tanya said, uh, hates Ashley for what she did, of course, but uh, at the same time is liking the storyline. So there's a little bit of balance for you. Um, Justin does not like the storyline at all, saying, I dislike the twist that Ashley manipulated her own mother's Alzheimer's disease to get revenge on Jack. My grandmother, may she rest in peace, had Alzheimer's disease, so I know what it's like having a loved one with that ugly disease. Nobody that has a loved one would ever use that to manipulate uh, their own vindictive gain. That is unrealistic. I would think that since Mal Young's mother has Alzheimer's, that he would be much more sensitive and understanding, but it's obvious that this storyline is just another one to him, whether it's an opportunity to educate people on a serious topic, just like what he did with the domestic abuse storyline, a serious topic that has become corny and it's dragged out too long. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think about that. I mean, walking backwards on what actually Ashley did, she did definitely take advantage of the fact that Dino was ill, and there were months where Jack was kind of badgering her for answers about this, and all of that certainly did work out to Ashley's favor. Interesting, though, that you mentioned that about Mal, Mal Young writing the Alzheimer's storyline because it was something that was so close to his own life and then kind of using, you know, using it and continuing to use it for the drama. Um, let's see. I have a comment here from Mary Ann saying, I think the writers are making Ashley less sympathetic before her departure in the same way that they handled Chelsea's departure. 
There seems to be three ways for the current writers to erase characters from the canvas. Number one, let them disappear with little or no fanfare, like Noah or Paul. Number two, get killed, like JT and Hillary. Or number three, let them do something to annoy the viewers, like Chelsea, Ashley, Lily, and maybe even Summer. I don't know what the trajectory of how Ashley is going to go out is. Marion left a comment hoping uh, that Ashley does end up leaving Genoa City with a big bombshell, like a secret being revealed. And Gary had read a blurb in Soap Opera Digest titled, Dina Shocks Ashley. How, Gary says, is it possible that Ashley is actually John Abbott's daughter and they're going to make it a double hitter at this point? Well, I like that idea. I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good question. Is Ashley going to go out with a fizzle or is she going to go out with a bang? I do certainly hope she goes out with a bang. But as Marianne said, let's at least try to still like the actress and still like the character if she's going to go away after all this time. And maybe that's part of the reason that I'm willing to listen to Ashley's side of the story a little bit. Uh, I'm willing to forgive her because at a certain point you kind of have to forgive all of them. <laughs> they all do horrible things at one point or another. I'd rather not have anyone left with a bad taste in their mouths, so when it comes to a character that I have loved and very much over the years. Here's an interesting question. James asks, so does this mean that Ashley doctored the video footage that was produced by Charlie about Dina? Okay, I am not sure. They did mention that video footage this week. Ashley kind of used that against Kyle when he was confronting her, saying, oh, you probably gave that to Victor, didn't you? You know, she was th throwing it back in his court. So the implication by Ashley was that Kyle was the one who manipulated that. I don't know if it was just a smokescreen or a truth. I don't know if we're actually going to ever have an answer to that question. I... I am also kind of, I, my thought, my mind is going to Kyle having given it to Victor and Victor having done it. And I wonder if it's going to come out that Kyle was behind that. And maybe that could cause a little bit of drama and trauma for his relationship with Lola. Don't know. Diana says, Tracy was only behind the desk being the head honcho for five seconds. So disappointing. I was going to post how exciting it was to see Tracy running Jabot. Tracy's never worked for the family company since she came on the show over 30 years ago. It's too bad. It would have been a compelling storyline. Is there any chance we can hold out hope that Tracy will take over again? No, probably not. All this is is a window back into getting Jack in the chair. <laughs> That's all it probably is. Hey, I love this comment from Shelly saying, Give me more Andrew! There is something about this actor that I just adore. We need an Andrew on the show. I don't know how, or I don't know what the viewer response has been, but I truly hope YNR keeps him around. It's so 
crazy that you mentioned that, Shelly, because I was kind of thinking the same thing. The whole time that Andrew is snaking around Genoa City doing his little blackmail thing, I was kind of getting an Adam vibe off of that actor. Like, I'm watching him thinking, I could kind of get used to seeing him a little bit more. I didn't find him particularly attractive, but I liked the essence that he had. I thought he played the sneaky snake very, very well. So I'm really happy to see someone else bring that up because I wasn't going to. I don't know if they'll keep him around. I kind of doubt it. I think the cast is pretty large right now, um, and it's clear that they're wanting to focus, for instance, new characters on like the Rosales family and Ray's wife and all that. Uh, but yeah, you never know. I mean, putting it out there, he did a good job. That Maybe it's something that we could see in the future. Um. Oh, okay. So... Billy. We got to talk about that because we didn't get any follow-up about Billy this week. He went off to rehab and mom has been the word. But Ellen comments, now that the character assassination of Billy is complete, what's left for him? He was an interesting character before the gambling and the summer sex. Now he's just Billy the screw-up for the 10th time. Why should we care about him? What is he going to do with his life? And who would ever trust him again, professionally or personally? I hate that he can't be one of the next generation movers and shakers in Genoa City. He was in a perfect position to be innovative 21st century CEO of Jabot. If it all goes back to Ashley or Jack, yawn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jack ironing his socks on a Saturday night and going in to to Jabot probably on Sunday. (laughs) It isn't that exciting. But I really think, though, Ellen, that YNR can bring Billy back. I'm sure they have a plan. Jason Thompson is a little gem, um, and we've seen people come back from worse. So I'm going to guess that Mal has a plan for Billy. I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, if you think about the character of Adam, who would have thought that they would would have ever brought him from the guy who was dressing up like Sabrina and gaslighting Ashley, fall, falling down the stairs, having a miscarriage, uh, and accidentally hitting a little girl on the side of the road the night. Who would have ever thought that they brought could bring Adam back to being like leading man, amazing status? Uh, they can absolutely do it with Billy, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mal has a plan for it. Ah, here we go, here we go. Diana says. I wonder if Phyllis will keep her word and try to kill Billy like she said she would if Billy ever slept with her daughter. If so, how would she do it? Did Phyllis really mean that? Or will she try to get revenge trying to hurt Billy emotionally somehow? I look forward to this storyline. I have no idea what will happen. But knowing that Phyllis and her threat to Billy, it will be something big. Billy will wish he stayed in rehab. Anna also uh, had this same theory. And Anna thinks it's going to be literally like Phyllis could actually try to kill Billy. Um, Anna says we're going to start to maybe see some of the old Phyllis, like the one who hit Christine with her car. I mean, this could be what the viewers have been asking for. A lot of viewers say, hey, we miss the old crazy Phyllis. Well, if anything would give her a reason to go crazy again, it would be the fact that Billy slept, her man slept with her daughter. I mean, uh, oh, and she did make that promise. Question is, will she make good on that promise? (laughs) Oh. 
Let's talk about Lola. I mean, so many happy, happy comments about Lola, and I share the feeling. I wonder, by the way, Lola this week got accepted into, what was it, the Harvest Festival? She caught it. She got her food truck accepted into, uh, like, a, a festival, a Genoa City Festival, and I'm wondering if there's any chance that we're going to get to see it. Sometimes YNR has given us fall flair, like, where we've gotten to see a festival for fall. It's been a couple years but I definitely remember them doing it in the past. Any chance we're actually going to get a fall festival? And if so, will Lola's food truck be parked there? Fingers crossed. But T. Nicole says, I feel like I can relate to Lola and connect to her character. I feel her frustration when her brothers act like they need to be notified and approve of what she does or who she dates. Yes, it comes from a place of love and protection, but they need to let her be her own own adult who can make their own decisions. If brothers keep being if the brothers keep being on her case, what should she do and not do? This could drive a wedge between them which will make her run to Kyle and that much more because he will be the only guy in her life who she feels is supporting her rather than controlling her. Yes. Yes. Um, oh, this is good from Ellen, who says, Big fan of Lola, very refreshing character, and a natural actress. Also, I have six brothers and would never have let them interfere with my choices either. Keep living, La Vida Lola. <laughs> six brothers, oh man. I'm an only child, so I can't imagine having one brother, let alone six. But I love how you describe Lola as being a natural actress. Yeah, I like the scene where she was so excited about getting her food truck accepted and she's hugging on Arturo. That whole thing felt real and that really endeared me to her. She just feels like someone I would know and someone, furthermore, that I would like. I would hang out with Lola. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, let's see. Uh, Gina was a big fan of the banter between Summer and Kyle. I agree, too. Those were some good scenes between Summer and Kyle. Um, I think that we could have had a very interesting triangle with Lola and Summer and Kyle if Summer hadn't gone down the path of sleeping with Billy. I feel like that removes her in my mind from the running for Kyle's heart. <laughs> But maybe you all don't feel that way. Is there anyone who's rooting for Summer and Kyle instead of Lola and Kyle? I'd love to hear from you this week. Uh, Jamie says, I cannot get enough of Lola. She's so adorable and sweet, and I have to say, she's just wonderful. I love seeing her interact with Ray, but Jamie says, I don't want a Sharon and Ray romance. I have to kind of agree at this point. They were cute. The whipped cream and everything was cute. Uh, and he's light and he's fun. But I feel like YNR set me up for Nick and Sharon. And now I'm wanting Nick and Sharon. And so you can't just switch switcheroo and send Sharon into a new relationship two days after the wedding <laughs> blew up in their faces. I want to work on rebuilding that relationship, but I don't know if it's in the cards. Uh, Diana wants to see a Ray and Sharon romance saying, I love Ray's apartment, it looks huge, and it's refreshing to see this new set, which I'm sure we'll be seeing a lot of. Soon the whipped cream scenes will be moving into Ray's bedroom with Sharon as he helps her to forget all about Nick. 
They were cute. They were cute. I just feel like my heart and my soul is with Nick and Sharon. Uh, Liz says, Nick and Sharon, you guys seriously registered for gifts? <laughs> I doubt that at this stage in your life and the quantity of gifts you have received from your previous marriages that you would need another blender. <laughs> Ah, and Laura says the show should have had all the presents opened to display so we could pause to see what they got. Agreed. I mean, we don't know there was a blender in there. What if there was some fabulous crystal vase? I wanted to see it. Yeah. But it is ridiculous that they registered for gifts. <laughs> oh, let's end up just talking about this whole coven situation. I gotta shout it out to Zooperplex because Zooperplex has been calling the Nikki, Phyllis, Sharon, uh, Victoria group the coven for a long time. And then YNR this week actually called them the coven. <laughs> I think it was Phyllis who referred to their group as the coven. So that's what I probably need to start calling it. Uh, Ellen says, Ray's definitely behind gaslighting, gaslighting the margarita party gang. First, he sends Sharon the plant, supposedly from Nikki, Victoria, and Phyllis. Not. Sharon lies, says it's from Nick. Then Ray sends one of those anonymous notes to rattle their nerves, hoping to eavesdrop on their secret meetings at Crimson Lights. Let's hope that Ray falls in love with Sharon at lightning speed. Well, Ellen left that comment, I think, early in the week. I mean, we, we got more notes and um, started talking a little bit more around who could have been behind it all. Are you guys still thinking? Do you still think that it could be Ray? I guess the fact that YNR is drawing my attention there so obviously just makes me look for other possibilities. But it would make sense that it's Ray. Ray's the one that we know of who has the interest in drawing out the secret. But it was Leanne, I think, who was the first person at the website who was talking a little bit about uh, alternative theories. Leanne says, I've had this thought for a while now. Does anyone else I Tessa as the one sending those mysterious notes to the Margarita girls? Her character is very underdeveloped, so I don't know her, nor do I trust her. I don't know how she would have found out about what really happened with JT, but if the notes start leaning toward extortion, I'm pointing at Tessa. Uh, because she needs the money badly. Maybe she overheard the women discussing it, or she may have even seen them moving or disposing of the body. Time will tell. Well, that you, you got, you and me are completely on the same page here, Leanne. And I think you hit it on the nose in saying that Tessa's character is very underdeveloped. There's just so much there. I mean, we don't, we just don't know enough about her to trust her. She seems like the perfect person to kind of pin this on. Who knows? And and also, like you said, she doesn't even necessarily have to know the secret in order to be trying to get a little money out of it. She may. You're right. She may have seen what was going on. Who knows? But it's not even necessarily. Uh, Zuberplex also adds to this by saying that when Victoria mentioned that some mysterious person in town must be in the know, that YNR showed us the following shot where Tessa was serving clientele at their tables, Superplex asks, was that foreshadowing? I See, now that I didn't get. I saw the shot of the girls going, oh, something's coming. Who could it be? And then we saw the camera pan into the main coffee house where Tessa's pouring coffee. And I thought, what? why 
what's that? Why'd they do that? Are they looking at the door? I didn't even know for sure if they were looking at Tessa. I thought they were like looking through the front door, waiting to see who was going to come through. But I think you hit this, Superplex. The fact, it does seem like a little bit of a clue, doesn't it? That they're talking about who it could be and then they all look over and Tessa's pouring coffee. I don't know. Um, Tina Cole adds to that, finally. Um, doesn't Tessa need $20,000? And isn't the first number on Victoria's note uh, saying that the cost will start with a two? Yeah, I know. You know what? I, I, it feels like it's too bad that the coven women are not as smart as the YNR chatters. <laughs> I think we may have figured out their mystery in one week flat. Oh, what a week. And we've got a lot to look forward to in the coming weeks, too. I just want, I want to see YNR move some things a little faster. <laughs> I want to see some storylines speed up a little bit. And I want to focus more on the Rosales family. That's kind of what I'm into right now. Why don't you tell me what you're really into right now? I know you guys have got some opinions on Ashley. So I'm excited to see the poll votes and comments at YRChat.com, as well as anything else else you want to talk about. I love hearing from you guys through the week. It helps me as I'm watching the show to see you guys there knowing that you're kind of watching along with me. We're all sort of seeing it together and not just on Sundays talking about it. Okay, well, I hope everybody has a wonderful week and I will be back next week to talk again about our show. I love ya!